Okay? Yes. All right. Well, good evening, everybody. Good evening, everyone. Pastor, how are you doing? Good evening. I'm doing real good. Good. And uh, today we are here with the Foundations Podcast. Uh, we hope that you're ready for a ride because over the next few weeks we're going on a ride. Uh, some, uh, some of the things that we've been studying and been putting together here, uh, talking about uh, that we're going to be going through, some of the stuff will may enlighten you. It may, you may get an aha moment uh, or understand what's going on in our country or some of the things or what is behind the things that are going on in our country. Uh, and uh, anyway, and uh, so <laughs> anyway, there's a book that we're going to be talking about by Jonathan Kahn. Um, and uh, uh, but, but yeah, let, let's go ahead. Is the turn the uh, title of the book is called Return of the Gods? Return of the Gods. If you've read it, fantastic. If you haven't, you may want to read it. Uh, it's a good book, and I, I'm going to give him credit. We want to give him full credit, Return of the Gods. We're not going to give you everything in his book. Uh, but we are going to refer to some of the concepts, the ideas, the things that he brings forth out of this book. As well as, I think, Dr. Uh, Rod, is it? Michael Heiser. Michael Heiser, who, who uh, has another book called... Uh, the Unseen Realm. The Unseen Realm. And, um, and anyway, we're going to be looking at some of this. But basically, if you want to boil it all down, we're going to go into a, a subject matter of demonology or biblical demonology. Now, when we use those terms, you talk about, well, demon spirits and, you know, this type of thing. And, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that shortly. I got a couple uh, t today. Let me, uh, we got a couple of uh, news articles, I think, that are related that actually uh, it's good to, for us to actually... Uh, know what's going on in the world when it comes to the Christian community and this and a couple of things here uh, that we're going to deal with at first and then pastor then we're going to get dig deep into this and I'm going to tell you what if you you take notes <clears throat> because we're going to be bringing out scriptures uh, different types of things uh, get a notepad write this stuff down and if you want go find that book I mean I have it on my Kindle I, I, we, I have an audio copy of the book. You can also buy the hardback. It's on Amazon. So I think it's like 18 bucks. And um, anyway, but if you want to get a hold of that, you ought to, because I'm going to tell you what, some of the things that come out of this really do speak to our modern times. And uh, anyway, an, uh, enough of that. Let's go ahead and let me start, I guess, Pastor, with, uh, I tell you what, could you pray before we start? Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And, and Lord, the things that we're going to speak about today have such a, a relevance to what's going on in our world. And, uh, and so, Lord, as we open up the Word of God and we look at it and we look at Scripture and what you said, uh, Lord, give us insight, uh, but also encouragement, Lord, because I believe there is encouragement in this because there is always an answer, and it is you. And, uh, and so, Lord, uh, bless what we do here today. Bless everyone who's listening to this. And, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All righty. So, okay, a couple of news items. 
okay? And um, I, I don't think this is anywhere in the realm of you can't make this up, but uh, basically an article here speaks about the educational department of the United States government warns against schools encouraging private prayer and other religious activity in school. I want to read you what they, they said. Okay, back in, well, well, Pastor, when was this? 1960s sometime that they removed prayer from school at that particular point. And you see where, uh, how, uh, you know, how's it working for you? I mean, we got school shootings. We have all sorts of stuff going on in our schools. And now they're trying to uh, uh, take our kids behind our backs and change their, change their physical uh, gender. Um, anyway, but okay, so what, what they were saying here is this, and, and this is what went out to the, uh, from the education department. Teachers, school administrators, and other school employees may not encourage or discourage private prayer or other religious activity. Uh, they wrote this in a new guidance. <clears throat> I'll continue here in just a moment as I go down to it. Uh, however, he said the educational department warns school employees can't compel, coerce, persuade, or encourage students to join in the employee's prayer or other religious activity. They say some of these uh, teachers, they have their own prayer. They have private prayer, whatever that is. Okay, anyway, during the workday, well, that's what they pray, you know, in, with, with the... Uh, without everybody being around. Now, they can't encourage them or whatever to get them. Uh, it says the guidance goes on to say that schools may, t may take reasonable measures to ensure that students aren't pressured or encouraged to join in the private prayers of their teachers or coaches. Now, it says the guidance comes at a time of year when many graduation ceremonies are taking place across the country. According to the Education Department, public school officials may not mandate or organize prayer at graduation or select speakers for such events in a manner that favors religious speech such as prayer. They have just put any means to prayer down. And that they've officially said that in a, from our educational department, Pastor. Yeah, and, and you know, like I said, uh, this has been a problem for uh, decades. We, we didn't just get here overnight. No, no, this happened back, started in the 60s, where they, they said they kick pr uh, prayer out of school. Now, the thing is, is it, with that type of uh, I don't know what the direction of where this is going. Now I remember. Don't isn't there a what, prayer at the pole? Remember that one where the the people would come and pray, or Christians they could join around the flagpole and pray, and they'd have prayer on a certain day during the year. Um, I wouldn't see any any reason why these folks wouldn't try to come after that well, and search. Well, you know, well, any teacher, don't you be getting involved in that stuff. Well, I mean, you, you can see the way things are going. Uh, once again, uh, rather than appeal to history, uh, uh, just look at the, uh, the history of Israel mm -hmm. and what happened with them. And 
our country here in America, we are going down the same road. Yes. Uh, you, you would like to think that we can look at the Bible, and, and maybe that is part of the problem. Maybe people just don't read the Bible anymore. They don't see the parallels. They don't understand the principles that are here. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many warnings do we have? I'm thinking the Hebrew uh, warning, uh, uh, Hebrews 2, and where Paul gets into an ideal that we uh, should give the more earnest heed to the things that we've heard lest we drift away from it. And yeah. then he says, if the word was spoken by angels, and of course he's talking about the, the old, the, 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 uh, the law there that you know, God gave Moses. Yeah. And he said, if, if the, uh, the uh, word spoken by angels proved unalterable and, uh, and every, uh, you know, disobedience received a just recompense of reward, mm -hmm. this is how will we escape? And, uh, and, and by the way, I believe Paul, I believe that Hebrews is a sermon by Paul written by Luke, that's my opinion. Um, but and if that's true, we go back into 1 Corinthians, and I, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, and I, that may be second, but I think it's first, where he gives these ancient examples of Israel and the things that happened to them mm -hmm. and makes it applicable to these Gentile believers in Corinth. And they are examples to us. Yes. And, uh, and so, you know, one of the values of going through some of the things that we're going to talk about here today and in the weeks to come is we're going we're gonna to be looking back into what God did in Israel and talk about the application of what that meant in, in New Testament times and how that, that affects our nation right now. Yes, and, yes. Uh, and that's, that's the value of that. And you see that it's affecting our nation. I mean, they're kicking further. And now they're reinforcing around graduation time don't you be encouraging prayer? They're trying to suppress prayer. That's, that's, I mean, I guess that's the best way I can say it. Um, another, um, another uh, what do you call this, um, article uh, that is it's more of a positive nature, okay? What, what happened here is that there was an auction this last week. <clears throat> And there is a, a book, and I'm going I'm to give you just a real quick uh, synopsis of this. The Codex Sassoon Hebrew Bible was up at Sotheby's, I think that's how you pronounce it, Sotheby's for auction this last week. And it, they called it, it becomes the most valuable book ever sold at an auction. And the, this Bible, and uh, give me just a second here to pop into the um, to the re, the read up on this thing. Here it is. Uh, this uh, the Codex Sassoon is uh, they call it S1 is a Masoretic Codex comprising of all 24 books of the Hebrew Bible, dated to the 10th century. They say CE. That's after the death. It is considered as old as the Aleppo Codex and a century older than the Leningrad Codex. Okay. The earliest known complete Hebrew Bible manuscript. Okay. Oldest complete Hebrew Bible manuscript. This thing, this, this last week, they said it was going to get a lot of money. It sold, somebody bought it or auctioned or got the auction for $38.1 million dollars. 
the highest that any, this is a Bible, any book has ever commanded on etymology. And somebody wanted the Word of God. Somebody wanted the Word of God. And so they bought it. They, of course, they, it's a private flow. So they're not going to tell us who bought it. It'd be an interesting. I, I, okay, I, I'm, well, this is part of I, when I was going to college and all that, and into archaeology. I love archaeology. Love that old scripts and all that type of thing. But here you have a Hebrew Bible that is really old, still together. And you can see it in the pictures. And sold for $38.1 million last week. So well, uh, hopefully over a body can uh, read Hebrew. Yeah. They'd have to be able to. That's us. Unless they just <laughs> had so much money they just wanted it for a collector's sake. Yeah, so Hebrew is read from the right to the left, right? Because we normally read from left to right as America, you know, with English and that type of thing. Hebrew is read the other direction. And uh, and of course I, I well, that's what I, it was my thing in college is that I was Hebrew. That was all that I studied. Three years of Hebrew. Yeah, interesting. But anyway, this is good. And I mean, the Word of God commands $38.1 million. There you go. So that, that's, a good, that's a good thing to hear. Um, a lot better than some of the other stuff that we're hearing. So, Alrighty, Pastor. Let's cross over. Now, I'm going to ask you, first of all, what is biblical demonology? Well, biblical demonology is a study. Uh, if we were starting out in the Old Testament, we would talk about the Shadim, mm -hmm. uh, which normally is translated in English, uh, your English Bible, as a demon. Uh, and uh, and uh, also the issue of where do demons come from, uh, it, the, the late Dr. Michael Heiser uh, had mentioned uh, that he felt it was unfortunate that the word Shanim was just translated uh, mm. in the sense of how the Septuagint translated it. Not that he said it was wrong. He said that sometimes what it does, it brings a little bit of confusion. Sure. Uh, so we're talking about the Shanim. Uh, we're not talking just in the terms of what we would call someone who's demon-possessed. I mean, it could apply to that. No, we're not saying it couldn't. It's no, more of a demonic. Well, I would the even, demonic forces I, I, at I, work. I wouldn't even use the word demonic. Or maybe uh, I, I would use the the uh, kingdom of Satan. There. Uh, the, the there's a hierarchy in it, and there's issues in the Old Testament that are very very clear. And and when we're talking about the Shadim, we're also talking about things involved with idol worship, mm -hmm. uh, and that's Old and New Testament. And, and, and with the understanding of that concept uh, that we're going to read a passage in Deuteronomy also in, in Psalm 106, yes. um, that's, that, that gets into some of the teaching in the New Testament, especially Paul uh, talking to the Corinthians about idols. Yes. And, uh, and, and he talks about, I don't want you to be uh, partaking of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. demons yeah. mm -hmm. uh, so the word there is used. And, uh, but anyway... Uh, but we, but you know, I don't think these are things as a believer we should fear. No. But on the other hand, there is a curious passage in uh, Ephesians three ten. We may or may not look at it today, but it is the mission of the church uh, to have something to do with these principalities and powers. Yes. yes and these shadim, 
you would call them in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament concept, they were the principalities and powers. They are akin to Daniel uh, chapter uh, not, uh, 10, I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 10, when he talks about the, uh, the forces of evil that was stopping uh, him from getting an answer, or that is Gabriel to bring an answer to him. And there's some fascinating uh, uh, concepts there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to read this uh, passage in Deuteronomy 32. Okay. And, I, and, I, and, and by the way, this is part of a bigger context. Uh, this is a song of Moses, and, uh, and it's fascinating some things he has in here. Uh, but I'm going to start in verse 15 and just read just a couple of verses. And it says, But uh, Jeshurun, or Israel, grew fat and kicked. And when you mentioned that about kicking, I thought that was kind of funny right there. They kick against something. Yes. And so, so Israel grew fat and kicked. You are grown fat, thick, and sleek. Then he forsook God. In other words, Israel forsook God mm-hmm. who made him and scorned the rock of his salvation. They made him, that is, God, uh, jealous. And by the way, when you see in your English translation the word God, generally that's the word Elohim. Yes. Uh, and we may make a mention of that because, well, anyway, let me just go on. And, and they scorned the rock of his salvation. They made him, that is God, jealous with strange gods. Uh, that is also Elohim, but that is in the plural, mm-hmm. meaning there's there's many Elohims, but there's only one creator Elohim, yes. that is Yahweh. Okay, yes. so that is a, and that is all through the Old Testament, and uh, we, we'll probably get into that later. But notice this, they made him jealous with strange gods, with abominations, that's Toiva. Mm-hmm. They provoked him to anger. And then we get a little concept on how they did it. Now, the Psalm 106 is going to be a little deeper on this. But verse 17, they sacrificed to demons, the, um, the Shadim, who were not Elohim, to Elohim, little e, whom they had not known, new gods who came lately, whom your fathers did not uh, dread. And uh, you neglected the rock who begot you, forgot the God who gave you birth. And then basically um, he gets into this term of because of the provocation. By the way, the Hebrew writer talks about the provocation mm-hmm. in the wilderness. This, it, it, these are, this is fascinating. Yes. When you see, you, see the, you see the theology behind what is written in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. But, but, no, but what we wanted to make notice here is that they sacrificed to the Shadim. Yeah, to the demons. Now they called these things They called them gods. Yeah, they called them God, little gods. Yes. And uh, so these are real entities. These mm-hmm. were uh, these, we're, we're not talking about demons in the sense of what you would think of as a New Testament demon. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a principality. We're talking about a yes. power that was behind <laughs> the idol that they were worshiping. Yes. Now, what I'm going to interject here is, first of all, we're talking about demonology. We use those terminology, that term. It's a theological term. Uh, demonology, talking about demon spirits. 
Now, um, I, what I did, Pastor, I pulled up Ephesians 6 because a lot of our people uh, are probably really familiar with this particular passage. It, it's read by many, many people. We talk about the uh, whole armor of God and all this. And the thing here is, is that when Paul brings this out, okay, first of all, there is a Satan. Now, if you don't believe that there is a devil, well, he already has you in his hand, so you're in trouble. But there, there is a devil. And um, Pastor, follow me. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of roll this out. I'm going to, I want you to keep me in check here. Now, I believe it's in the book of the, uh, Isaiah where it talks about how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. Yes. Okay. And it talks about the fall or Satan and a third of the angels being kicked out of heaven. Now, who actually followed him? And those angels in turn became what we now know or we talk about as demons. And uh, they do his bidding and basically they're evil. Now, as Pastor was talking about, there is a structure, there is a hierarchy of these type of things. And then the we, we one of the, um, I, I think this is a, a very good portion that will draw this out is in Ephesians chapter 6. And um, so, and I believe it is verse 12 here. Let me get my glasses. Hello. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now I'm reading in New King James Version here. Uh, okay, then it goes on and talks about the armor of God. So what we have here, Pastor, is we got principalities, we have powers, we have rulers of the darkness of this age, of this age. And against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And it ought to be uh, you know, obvious from the context, these, these principalities, powers, these, uh, I'm in the New American Standard, so okay. world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, these are not flesh and blood. No. He just told us that we're not wrestling with that. And so these are these are actual principalities. They're actual evil. Uh, you could call them, uh, call them fallen angels if you want to. Um, they are, there's a hierarchy here. There's, yes. Uh, the, the kingdom of Satan is very organized. Uh, it's not haphazard. There is a, there is an order to it. Um, I mentioned the, the Ephesians three ten. Mm -hmm. uh, this is you know, we're just Ephesians is one letter. Yeah. Uh, but but just right before he wrote this, he he made this uh, this comment here. Um, boy, it's hard not to get the context of this. Well, let let me just read it. Uh, he, he's talking about a mystery, by the way, and the mystery really is the fact that God put the Jew and the Gentile together and made one new man in Christ. In other words, the gospel is available to everybody. Sure. Uh, but then in, uh, in verse, well, let me just read verse 9. 
and uh, and he said and and to bring to life what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that, and this is important right here, so that the manifold. Now I don't really like that word, and it's used in the New King James. I think it's used in the King James New American Standard. The very purposes of God. Yeah. That's what it means. Uh, so that the very purposes of God or the very purposes of God's wisdom might now. Now, this is, now Paul wrote this, um, you know, uh, in the middle uh, of the first century. So yes. it, it means it's now today, okay? Yes. He said so that it, that the, the, the that this manifold wisdom of God might be made known, that it might now be made known through the church. Notice this. It's through the church. Through the and, church. And let me just say this right here. What I'm not about to read, this is not some lone ranger kind of guy who has a ministry and he ain't connected to the church. Friend, if that's you, it ain't going to work for you. No. Okay. Uh, he said through the church. Notice this, to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Okay, you got so, the rulers and authorities. And this is principalities and powers of FKJ. Yeah, and then, well. Rulers and authorities. Well, and then I, I'm reading that in the New American Standard. But okay. if you go over here to verse 12, Paul says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, mm -hmm. against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So Paul is identifying these things that we as a church are to make known. And how do we do that? We preach the gospel. We preach the gospel. We, we, talk we speak truth we to lies. Okay, we, yes. we, we proclaim that Jesus is Lord. We talk about what that means as it relates to us. And so as we do this, what we're not... We're making known something, and who is that? The principalities and powers are the rulers and the authorities, uh, depending on what translation you're using there. Yes. These are the things that we have warfare with, and that warfare is carried out in the proclamation of the gospel. It's carried out in the armor of God that I believe is prayer armor. Yes. And, uh, and we pray, we minister the, the word of God, Mm -hmm. And by doing that, we break, I'm going to use a, a, a word that Jonathan Kahn used. Okay. We break the spell of these principalities and powers, these ancient, uh, if you want to call them fallen angels that, that were involved yeah. in a lot of the things we see in Israel's history that mm -hmm. I believe are over our nation right now. Yes. That's how we break their power. Now, yeah, tonight's purpose, we're bringing some clarity and some direction and some uh, background to this particular subject as we uh, go into this book and what this, these, uh, th that we're bringing out tonight. Now, okay, so the thing here is the first thing that you've got to know, I mean, if you're, if you're a brand new Christian, You've got to realize that there is a spiritual realm. I'm using the term from Dr. Heiser. A spiritual realm that we deal with that we do not see with the natural eye. 
That's why he was saying, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. You know, we see all these dictators. We see all the... Oh, I better stop. Anyway, we see all these uh, politicians and uh, leaders doing bad things and all that. We don't... Even your brother or, or a person, that, your boss at your work, we don't war against those. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against the spiritual entities... <coughs> Sorry that he's bringing out in Ephesians, and that is within the spiritual realm. There is a spiritual realm that is existing upon, uh, 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 today and has always existed. God is spirit. Uh, you talk about the Holy Spirit. You talk about, uh, you know, we're talking about the devil and all this, and these spiritual forces that are happening. And as Pastor was indicating... There are principalities, there are powers in certain areas. Yes, and, and, and by the way, that is a biblical concept there. That is, that's not, you know, Steve and I's, you know, wild theology. No. Uh, that is a, a, a biblical fact. There's, there's passages in Daniel. Uh, there's also, well, there's all over the Old Testament that show us this unseen realm. And, uh, and from the standpoint of being either good or positive, I mean, yes. you know, so uh, not everything in the unseen realm is evil. Obviously, God is in the unseen. Realm. Yes, okay. yes. And uh, yeah. so, uh, but yeah, this this is a real world, and we need to be aware of it because many times, and and, and, I, and I have to catch myself in this as, as well, is that you end up. Um, the backlash that comes at you, sometimes we think it's just people, we think it's just, well, things in the world or society. No, there's an unseen realm behind that. Yes. And we're, that's what we're struggling with. We're not struggling. You read the scripture. We don't struggle. We don't, we don't fight against flesh and blood. Mm. Now, there may be flesh and blood that's involved, yes. but that's not the power behind it. No. And, uh, and and so we have to, to keep our focus on the right thing. That's why prayer, that's why knowing the Word of God, that's why being a part of the church, uh, listening to a podcast like this, yeah. going back to Scripture, comparing what we're saying with what Scripture teaches, that's how we stay uh, ahead. Yes. That's how we, we're not only not to be deceived, but yeah. to be effective. Exactly. And the thing is, is the Word of God exposes this. It gives us a revelation, the understanding yes. of these unseen realms. Jesus himself, he said, what is born of the Spirit is spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. John chapter 3. He talks about Nicodemus. I mean, he coming at night, you know, how do I, you know. He's asking Jesus by night about this. And Jesus is saying, he must be born again. He's over there. He said, what is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. So he he distincts, he, he makes a uh, distinction, that's the word, between the flesh and the spirit right there. Jesus was doing this and doing this for Nicodemus at that particular time. Yes, he was. Uh, you know, we were looking over here at a... Uh, Psalm 106, and yeah, and, and I, I got this primed and ready to roll. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I just, I'm not going to read your part. But okay, you go ahead. I was just looking at this earlier, uh, um, where he, verse 28, they joined themselves also of the, the, the all Peor, 
That's oh, yeah, that Balaam and, and all like that. And ate, sacri- and ate sacrifices offered to the dead. Uh, that's a fascinating word in the Hebrew. We'll, we may talk about that in a later podcast. Yes. I believe that is a Raphaim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, th- thus they provoked him to anger with their deeds. The plague broke out among them. And then Phineas stood up and interposed. And if you read that in the context of when it happened, Phineas actually, uh, well, there was an Israelite man that got involved with a Moabite woman and brought him in the midst of the people. They were already mourning because of what this plague. And he brought him right there in front of Moses and all the elders. And, uh, and of course, they're all praying that this God would stop this plague, which that's also interesting yes. if we want to look at it Hebrews, but because that's attached to the Shadim as well. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so, you know, he, and, and then uh, Phineas sees this, gets a javelin, mm-hmm. and chases them, and well, he, ended, well, he ends up kills them. Yeah. And, and notice what it says right here. If any has stood up and interposed, that's what it means there. Yeah. And so the plague was stayed, and it was reckoned to him for righteousness to all, all generations, generations forever. forever. Now, we're not saying go get a javelin and kill no, people. No, that's no, not no. what we're saying. But we're saying that his faith demonstrated something that was amazing. And, well, it uh, also, now, Pastor, think about this. It also speaks that we, if we are true to God, we're true Christians. We are going to uphold righteousness. Yes, we're not going to hold back. No. Uh, I'm not saying go blow up somebody or shoot no, or snap no, somebody. But, well, but, let, let, me, let me give an example of this, and, and we won't give the name. Okay. But, but I'll just give an example of this. If you're asked about an issue concerning abortion, mm-hmm. okay, I mean... And, and, and I'm going to use the illustration that was asked of this particular minister. I'm not going to give his name. Yeah. It was an 11-year-old girl who was raped and got pregnant. Yeah. Is that a tragedy? Right. Yes, it is yeah. a tragedy. Uh, we're not even suggesting that it was. The parents of this child eventually had the child to get an abortion and so the, 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 the particular minister was asked a question about it. I'm going to give you the answer he should have gave. He should have said, because they asked him, what, what if it had been your daughter? Yeah. I have two girls. Uh, if it had been one of my girls, it would have been tragic. It would have been horrible if they were raped. I, nobody's suggesting that. No. But would I have taken my 11-year-old daughter and, and she had an abortion? The answer to that is no. And the reason why it's no is because we do not shed innocent blood because someone raped someone. If you want to put somebody down, put the rapist, put the rapist down. Yes. But that innocent child had nothing to do with this. Uh, and, and I'm sure that there is medical things that can be done to ensure that 11-year-old's life, babies can be induced early. There's, there's, there's ways to get around this. But I would have never taken my daughter and had her murder her baby for two reasons. Number one is because of God's word is very clear mm-hmm. about that life 
does begin an exception. He told Jeremiah, before you were even in your mother's womb, I knew you. Uh, we have concrete, biblical, sound teaching that abortion is nothing but premeditated murder. That's okay, so let, let's stop. That, that, we should not be wavering on that. And, uh, and, and rather than answer that question in the affirmative like that, what he did is, as far as I'm concerned, he was real mealy-mouthed about it. And he walked all around it. He would not. And the guy kept up on prep. Yeah, pre so many doing and he today. just didn't want to give an answer. The answer is very clear. We do not shed innocent blood. We do not kill the unborn. And and yes, it is tragic that people are raised. It, it, it is tragic it is. about incest. It's, it's tragic. It's no one's saying that it's not. No. But we don't. Make exceptions on killing people. That would be like if you had a baby uh, that was like a year old and then were a product of a rape, and, you know, it's just getting real tight, so let's just take a hammer and kill them. Nobody's going to do that. Why would we do that to the unborn? No, we, no, we, no, we do shouldn't. not do that. No. And, and so when we talk about taking a stand, that's stand what we're talking about. That's finished. Is there going to be a little a little blowback to that? Yes, there oh, yeah. is. And uh, and the last time I checked, all those apostles that wrote in the New Testament, every one of them, John, suffered tragic deaths. They all died. Martyrdom. Martyrdom. Yeah. Okay. The, so yes, there is a price to pay. There is a price to pay. You to stand for, for righteousness. Yeah. And um, okay, so. Let's. You want to start in verse thirty-two? Yeah, that's thirty-two. Right. I'm, that's what I'm going to do here in just a moment. Let's draw you. Okay, the thing here is this: these passages are talking about Israel, the things that were going on back in that time, both in Egypt and in Canaan. Jesus, you know, and we we go over. We were going over this before. Uh, about in what he instructed Israel. He says, don't you do what they did back in Egypt and don't you be doing what they're doing in Canaan because that's the reason I'm destroying all of these lands or these countries in Canaan. I'm having you destroy them because they are doing these type of things. <coughs> One of the things were was is that they were serving idols, gods, G, little g. We understand that. They were serving other gods. And, uh, and that, that's where Israel, they, they, they went along and they began to serve those other gods as well. They, uh, and they were sacrificing their children to Balak, to uh, Moloch. They were serving Baal. They were serving Ashtoreth. And uh, what, what your, what, uh, so I'm going to read this portion here in 32. Now this is... Um, Psalm 106, 32. If you have your Bibles, read along with us. It says, They angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses on account of them, because they rebelled against his spirit, and, they, and that he spoke rashly with his lips. They did not destroy the peoples concerning whom the Lord had commanded them. In other words, God told them you destroy them. They didn't do it. They let him go. But they mingled with the Gentiles and learned their works. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters 
to demons. And we're going to get, as soon as I'm done with this, we're going to tie in some things here. And shed innocent blood. Pastor was just talking about that. The blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Oh, okay. Thus they were defiled by their own works and played the harlot by their own deeds. They prostituted themselves with the other countries. Therefore the wrath of the Lord was kindled against his people so that he abhorred his own inheritance. The term abhor is a hatred, Pastor. Yes, it is. It is a strong way. It is a very strong term. He abhorred his own inheritance. And he gave them into the hand of the Gentiles, and those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they brought and they were brought into subjection under their hand. Many times he delivered them, but they rebelled in their counsel and were brought low for their iniquity. Yeah. It got to the point God hated his own children or his yeah. own people, well, Israel. And that goes back into that Deuteronomy 32, and, and we'll get into that somewhere in here. The ideal that, that God gave the nations over to the sons of God, but he reserved Israel or Jacob as his own portion. We can even see that carried out in Israel's history. Yes. Uh, there's ways to demonstrate what that might have looked like. Um, but the point of it is, this is in in, in essence, um, the, yeah, the psalmist is just giving this rendition, and uh, yeah, God turned his own inheritance over to what? Nations that were ruled by these other sons of God. Uh, and we're, we're, we're talking about sons of God here. We're not talking about something godly at this no, point. No, we're, no, we're no. talking about something that's very evil. We're talking about a principality or a power. Yes. Um, so the, they're actually controlling them. Now, oh man, I, this, this stuff is going to start turning around here. One thing I, I did want to bring up, Pastor, and okay, it said they served these gods. I'm going to slightly mention the Dark Trinity. That, and now Jonathan, or what, no, not Jonathan. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Kahn. Jonathan Kahn gets into in his book, Return of the Gods. And I'm going to start you off from the beginning, but you need some background history of this. The idols, when they were created and they were fashioned, okay, they, they were fashioned with holes in them. And the, to, to where they felt, and the, the whole the belief was, was that upon dedication of that idol, that the gods themselves, they believed in gods. These were the gods. They, they couldn't now, I don't know that they believed, Pastor, that, or had an understanding these were demonic spirits. I don't know if they did or not. Uh, they may not have. They may have felt these were gods. The Apis, uh, 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 well, actually, let's, let's use the three. Baal, or Baal, whatever you want to call that. Uh, Molech, uh, Ashtaroth. I think they may also the name of that one is Ishtar. 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 Yes. Anyway, and these gods, or goddesses, or whatever you want to call them, Upon the, those holes were bored there, so that when they dedicated the image, 
that they believed that the spirit or the, no, the gods themselves would come and, and, and go into those idols. But they would, uh, in, uh, what's the word for it? Inhabit those idols. Now, here's the thing. When, uh, and then, uh, I mean, we're going to get into all three of these gods eventually here. Um, and the thing here is, is this, is that Israel played along. They, they went along with this. You, you saw their, dis, their rebellion from the time that they fashioned the calf, the golden calf, back at the time of Moses receiving the Ten Commandments. God was up there saying, don't have other, any other gods before me. They were down the hill creating and worshiping and having an orgy at the foot of a god. There, what you see is a common practice of uh, Baal worship. Uh, obviously, uh, Ishtar, or the what, many times you, you, you'll see the word the ashram, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, a, a term of, of the worship of Ashtar, and uh, and then and then of course the the Psalm 106. We, we, we saw it here. It mentioned Baal Peor, Baal Peor, and uh, yeah. and that so that was it, it, that was part that was of that worship. I mean that the Moabites were in that. That's uh, yeah, uh, and then and then you see the immorality that uh, Phineas had to deal with. Um, so yeah, these when we talk about the Dark Trinity, whether we're talking about Baal or if you want to call it Bel or uh, Moloch or it, it, you know Astroth. Uh, these are, for the better technical term, these are fallen angels. Yes. I mean, that would, that may not describe it totally, but they are some kind of angelic fallen uh, entity. Mm -hmm. uh, and we see these things. And there's a history about where all this occurred. Uh, we may even touch on a little bit of the Book of Enoch. I think it provides a backdrop. I don't consider the book of Enoch inspired, but I do believe it gives us a understanding. Uh, even the book of Giants, uh, these were these were things the New Testament writers read, mm -hmm. and uh, and so it gives us a little hint into some of the things they said. And uh, and while we're talking about any of this, the dark when we talk about the dark Trinity, that's that's a Jonathan Con, that's his terminology. What I think it it, it does it crystallizes it. When we begin to look at well, what does Baal have to do with us today? What does Moloch have to do with us today? What does uh, Asheroth have, 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 have to do with us today? Well, I mean, <clears throat> we, can track this, we can track this because we can look at what it had to do with Israel. Yes. Then we can look at what's going on in our country. And what's fascinating, we've, talk, we've talked about this in other contexts. Mm -hmm. But you can go back into the 1960s and you can really see the beginnings of what we'll call a possession of the nations. Yes. And, and, or the possession of our nation. It started out gradually. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about in each one of these how we see that uh, happen. Uh, once again, let me, let me uh, put a shout out. I don't know Jonathan Kahn. I've never met him. Yes, I, we're not saying we agree with everything he said no. because we've never heard everything he said. <laughs> okay, we're just commenting on his book. Okay, yeah. and, 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 and to be honest, I think he did a good job. He did a real uh, good uh, job painting a picture here that's worth thinking about. <clears throat> okay.
Yeah, and so uh, please understand that <clears throat> we, well, first of all, we are giving him full credit for this book and what he, had, uh, he did. It is a very, very well put together, and it really has some eye-opening things in the book. Do we know, or well, I don't even think we're aware of everything that Jonathan uh, teaches, okay? Um, and um, so... Please, we're not giving credence to everything that Jonathan Kahn is, as he's the next best thing since, uh, you know, lasagna. I like lasagna. Anyway, <laughs> anyway so, but anyway, uh, but at the same time, you got to understand, we're looking at this one book here, this one, we're taking it in terms of demonology. We're also going to refer to Dr. Heiser. We're going to, uh, and bring these things out. Now, <clears throat> here, here's where, and what I was just talking about was that the people of Israel or, or whoever were christening these idols did not realize that demonic spirits, where we do not believe that there's gods uh, or a pantheon of gods, there's one God, the Lord God, Yahweh. And But the thing here is, is that there are spiritual demonic forces or evil spirits or whatever you want to call them that actually inhabited these idols, that went into these idols. And that's, that's and then this is where we brought out uh, Deuteronomy 32, Psalm 106, where he was saying they were literally offering sacrifices. Where am I here? They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. And that, that's our word Shadim there. The Shadim. Yeah. And, so, and, um, and the thing here is, and let, let's, the, the God, okay, the dark trinity pastor is Baal or Baal, whatever you want to call it, Baal, um, Molech, and then the Ashtaroth uh, or Ishtar, they're, they're kind of interchangeable, the same one. Those three are the dark trinity. Now, <clears throat> Molech, and we've mentioned this in time in, in other podcasts and teachings, Molech was the god that they sacrificed their children to. They, it was an idol of metal, of some sort of metal or, or uh, whatever it was, that they would heat up to the point of, uh, I mean, it would be, be so hot I kind of like I kind of like um, parallel it with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How they heated the fire seven times hotter. That when they would actually take the child and they would lay it, the are the the um, the image had arms out like this. They would lay the child in the arms of that idol, and it would immediately disintegrate the baby. In the, in the child there. Boom. It was so hot. And they did this. And this was called passing, uh, making your sons or your daughters to pass through the fire. Yes, and that, that was a practice of how they did that. And you think about how horrible that is. And, uh, and, and what, what, is, what is going on here is it is fueling uh, the well, Moloch himself as a Shadim. Yes. Uh, fueling his influence and power uh, over the people. 
and uh, you know, and, and you would say, well, you know, we don't have anything like that here in the United States. Uh, we have some far worse, <laughs> okay, yeah. uh, far worse, and, and we'll talk more about that when we get to it. It's not just abortion; it's more than that. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, there's there's a passage, and uh, our time's almost up. Let me yeah. just read this briefly, just to give us a picture of this unseen realm. Uh, these principalities and powers, the Shadim that Moses was talking about, the psalmist was talking about. Yeah. And so this gives us a glimpse into it. And this is Daniel. And this is Daniel chapter 10. And, and this is the area where he had been uh, uh, fasting uh, for uh, 21 days. Uh, and then verse 10 says, Then behold, a hand touched me. And set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I'm about to tell you, and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. Uh, and when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to your words, but, now this is where Daniel gets into something interesting. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me. Now who are we talking about here? We're talking about Gabriel. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so so he said the prince, he's not talking about a human prince. No. Uh, was Withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, an archangel came to help me for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. So notice two terms here, kings, mm -hmm. prince. There's a hierarchy in this. Yes. Uh, and then he says this, now I've come to you that you would understand of what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision pertains to the days yet uh, future. And so when he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And then behold, one who resembled a human being was touching my lips. And uh, and I opened my mouth and spoke and said to him, standing before me, Oh, my Lord, as a result of the vision, anguish has come upon me, and I, I have retained no strength. For how can such a servant of the Lord talk with such as my Lord? As for me, there remains just now no strength in me. A little observation that mm -hmm. I get a little leery of people who talk about these great manifestations of God that they are having, like yeah. being caught up to heaven all the time, yeah. and all these visions. And there is you don't you you don't see this on them. No, um, I've had some experience with God. I've never been caught up to the throne room or had something like this. But I can tell you, I have. I can relate to what Daniel's talking about here. Uh, and so he said, there remains no strength in me, nor has, uh, has any breath left in me. Then this one with human appearance touched me again, strengthened me, and said, O man of high esteem, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Take courage. Be courageous. And now as soon as he spoke to me, I received strength and said, may my Lord speak, for I have strength. He has strengthened me. Yeah. And then he says, uh, do you not understand what I came to you? But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia. The prince of Persia. And I'm going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece, Greece. 
uh, is is about to come. And anyway, uh, and so we we see into the unseen realm. Yeah, we get a picture of it. Uh, that he was Gabriel, literally fighting with. Yeah, and we don't, and I don't know how that happens. I don't know what's involved with it, yeah. but there is some resisting. I mean, the first thing it says it withstood me. You know, you know, for twenty one days, yeah. Michael came. Whatever he did, he was able to get there, and I'm going to go back into the fight. Yeah. Uh, what are we talking about here? In a New Testament concept, we're talking about the rulers and authorities. We're talking about those principalities yeah. and powers that Paul talked about in relation to the armor of God. And uh, and those are the things that rule over nations. Over nations. And, and not just and nations, but even geographical places. Uh, you may, uh, you, 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 wow, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be careful how I say this. If you compare the city that we live in to Austin, Texas, okay. we're right here by Austin. Yes. Okay, we're in Georgetown, Texas. Maybe you could even take a term and, and, and use it as a county, Williamson County versus Travis County. Mm -hmm. I've heard this term used. When you go into Travis County, or into Austin, you go into a war. Yes. And and that was being used during a lot of the riots that we had back in, uh, I guess, 2020 and, and all the, the stuff that was going on. Historically, Travis County has always been very liberal. Yes. Uh, I mean, I mean, for this hadn't just started yesterday. Williamson County has been known as a very conservative county. That's changing. It's changing big yeah, time. Yeah, it is changing. Uh, because you have so many people from Austin that are moving to Round Rock and Georgetown. Now, I realize you may not live in these places, but I'm just trying to give you a, a visual picture of how this works. I believe that one of the reasons that Williamson County was so conservative, it was so strong, churches were strong here, is because... In, in, a, in a sense, we did not have a principality over this county. Mm -hmm. I'm not convinced that that is true anymore. No. With everything no. I'm seeing. But, you know, over Austin, and by the way, they always t-shirts, keep Austin weird. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I believe that there are uh, principalities, powers, you call them rulers, authorities, mm -hmm. that are put into positions and they, they exercise some form of influence or if we use the parable, possession yes. uh, over uh, people. That doesn't mean people are possessed by something. I'm just saying the thought process. Is, and probably yeah. everybody has talked to somebody mm -hmm. that you're, you're giving them sound biblical truth in a casual conversation. And it's just like they don't get it. They can't get it. The it's like the, are, it's, it's are, they're, they're blinded. They're, yes. And, and while that, that's Paul's theology, by the way, mm -hmm. about the lost. And uh, and I believe that this 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 term in Hebrew, the Shadim, that's used in Deuteronomy 32 and Psalm 106 and in many other places in the Old Testament, is the the principalities and powers or the rulers and the authorities that are mentioned in, uh, in Ephesians 6. No, uh, Pastor, just real quick, I'm going to speak to that Daniel. 
uh, passage. Now, we understand through history, watch this. Israel, there was the Babylonian Empire. One night, there was a party. Yes. They had um, dragged all of the uh, all of the things out of the out of the temple of God and were partying with them in there, and all of a sudden a hand appeared on the wall, disembodied hand, and it started to write on the wall. And and um, and it said uh, many many tekel ufarsim. It says basically it was that your kingdom has been numbered and has been found wanting, and now you are divided to the Medes and Persians. Belshazzar, the son of Nebuchadnezzar, was having that party. Now, history records that there was an underground, um, there was an underground place underneath the city of Babylon where the Medes and the Persians their armies quietly went underneath. And before they realized it, the whole, they had been overtaken. Babylon fell in a night. Medes and Persia, Medial Persia, the king of Persia. You're talking about the prince of Persia there as we get in. Then after the Persian Empire, I'm not going to go against, uh, into any more of that, but there was the Greek Empire. The prince of Greece is coming. Yeah, he's coming in. And by the way, that we're, if we're looking at the human counterpart of this, Alexander the Great. Yes. And uh, and and so, but notice it's what, not, what fueled him. What fueled the Prince of Greece? Well, some people say that the spirit of Antichrist was in this uh, man, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not going to get into all of that right now. But you you have Greece, then you have Rome. The Roman Empire took over there. The Prince of or the Prince of Rome or whatever that was at that time. But here, but the, the thing is, is, is that like Pastor was talking about, the enemy within the spirit realm sets prince of whatever or, or principalities over particular areas. And this is where, Jonathan, I'm just going to kind of segue and then we're going to have to uh, wrap it up, into the book. And this is where Jonathan Kahn gets into... His, his, uh, what he's talking about here is we have an unholy trinity. We have a, uh, what was it, dark trinity that he's talking about. And the, the thing here is, is this, and I'm going to read one passage here. I wanted to get this out before we conclude, uh, if I can find it. Okay, here we go. And he talks about spirits. He said, and there's a verse in, I believe it was Matthew, let me get it right, 12 43 to 44, if you're following, <coughs> mark it down. Matthew 12, 43 to 44. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. The parallel or the drawing of what we are going to begin to get into is the fact that or is the uh, the premise that these spirits or principalities have returned to America. The return of the gods. Now we're talking about gods, we are talking about demonic forces behind the gods, behind the dark trinity, have actually come back to America 
to do their thing. And as we go forward in this study, starting again next week, you don't want to miss these, uh, these uh, podcasts because we're going to go in and we're going to be bringing this stuff out and we're going to be talking about Baal or Baal. We're going to be talking about Baal. We're going to be talking about Ashtoreth Ishtar. The type of things that they commanded that we today see in America. Why is America the way it is today? And this is where he's going with this book, and we're going to bring this out. Pastor, I'm going to, I'm going to stop. <laughs> uh, anything else? Any last uh, thoughts? Or? No, just maybe getting to the punchline, because you know we want to make sure we're not trying to say all is lost. No. Uh, not, not by any means. Just like God would send deliverers to Israel, uh, he sends ministers, he sends people to speak truth to lies. And, yes. uh, and we see that in the Old Testament. Obviously, the, the gospel, we see in the New Testament, what they did despite all the uh, apostles pretty much uh, suffering martyrdom, uh, the gospel continues to go. And what did it do? It broke the power of the enemy. Yes. And, and really, uh, when we're talking about in the West, and then uh, that affected our country as well, eventually, because that's where we get most of our people from, uh, from that melting pot there. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and, 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 and so, for almost 2,000 years, or basically 2,000 years, uh, the power of Baal, Moloch, and Ishtar have been broken. Yes. As they're related to in the West, that may not be all over the world, He's but the West. they have found us swept and clean. And it is, and we can tie all this back to the 1960s, and we'll probably get into that on our next yeah. podcast. We're talking about the destroyer. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, the, the, but, but what, is, what is the answer to all of it? It's the same answer it was in the first century. You speak the truth of God. You don't keep your mouth closed. Yeah. You're not like that minister I saw on that video and get all meat and mouth about something. <laughs> you speak the truth in love. And sometimes the truth in love is a little bit, it feels like Phineas. Yeah. Now, we're not talking about hurting people. I'm just saying that's the impact it is. Uh, you know, when you look at someone and say, this is what God said. Uh, wow, that is such a, you know, and I, and I may give an example of something that I had a conversation with with a group of people, and it was kind of fascinating. But 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 the, but the point is, uh, we speak the truth, uh, the truth of God, word to the lies of whatever Baal, Molech, and Ishtar is giving people. Yeah. And uh, and prayer uh, is on a personal level is so powerful. Uh, there's we cannot overemphasize that. Uh, and then. Uh, going to a Bible-believing church yes. where the Word of God is magnified and upheld and with the integrity that is so important. And, and you know, and just in your own family and where you work, the influence you have, you know what? Just fortify yourself with Scripture so that when these things come up, you've got an answer for it. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. you know and you know what in trust that the Holy Spirit is going to take that you know and write God's word on people's heart Phineas according to what I read here which is just a which is just a, a 31 is this wonderful that it was accounted to him for righteousness 
to all generations forevermore. This man was known for his righteous act. What, you, what was his righteous act? He ran two people through with a, uh, a javelin. Yeah. Yeah. He killed because he took a stand for God. And, and that stand wasn't just against that Moabite woman no. or even the gentleman, the Israelite man. It was the fact that a plague had hit the, the, the you know, we're talking about Israel in the, in the wilderness journeys. Yeah. And, uh, and there is a spirit behind that. And, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that again yeah. later. But, uh, but what he did there broke it. Now, once again, we're not telling you to go buy a javelin or, no, or get some kind of gun and go kill people. That's not but, what we're but, saying. But we have an ability. The, in the, that weaponry or that armor that Ephesians 6 was talking about, That uh, uh, so many have missed the mark. We see all sorts of stuff here about the armor and the blessed brain of righteousness and the sword of the spirit, all this type of stuff. But they, they miss the point of pray, praying with yeah. all supplication in the spirit. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and that's that's our point. You have to read verses 18, 19, and 20 yes. if you're going to get the context of that. And and that's we, we have this armor of God on, and, and, and it's not that we're in prayer rebuking devils and demons. That's not what we're talking about. What is our wrestling? We're praying that God's kingdom would come and God's will would be done on the earth as it is in heaven. We are taking God's word and we're asking him to move by his power yes. and his strength. It's not ours. No. And to uh, and to uh, to intervene. And, and like I said, I think of so many examples, but we gotta we gotta end yeah, we went over an hour. <laughs> yeah, and um, okay. you know what? And I, you know, I think we probably need to pray again. And Steve, yeah. do you want to you pray again? Yes. Yeah, we can pray. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, today for your word. We thank you, Father, for the teaching that is being brought out here, Father. Uh, our prayer is that it, 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 it touches people to the point, first of all, that, Lord, they will speak truth to evil. They will speak the truth when it comes to these things in this country. Father, that they will be strengthened like Phineas, Lord, to take a stand for God, to take a stand for the Bible, to take a stand in their family for their children, Father, and Father, in this nation today. Lord, it is not just one of us, but all of us have been commanded and have been told to take a stand, having, uh, having done all to stand, stand therefore. And Father, I pray, Lord, as, these, as uh, the people are tuned into this, Father, that they will come back <coughs> again next week, Father, as we delve in. And Father, we are exposing the truth. We are exposing, through this teaching, things that we need to become aware of in this country as a Christian nation, as a Christian people. And Father, if there's somebody here, Lord God, that has, is watching this, they don't know Jesus, Father. I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would convict them right now, would reach out and say, you need to come to me, you need to come to the Lord. And Father, they would pray right now, and, and Lord, and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life, be Lord of my life, and I give you my life, Father. And we give you praise for that. We thank you, God that you can do that even through this podcast, that others can be led to Jesus, Father, as well as they can understand and be taught the Word of God. 
And Father, I pray, Lord, that you keep us all safe, keep everybody safe again through this week. Bring us back again next Friday as we continue to go through this teaching, Father. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, thank you for tuning in this week. Um, uh, be uh, right back 630 Central next week. We're going to be back at this, and you don't want to miss it. God bless you all. Have a wonderful